Welcome and thanks for joining us here at the Bethel Church Podcast. For more information about Bethel and who we are, you can visit us online at BethelChurch.info. We hope you are encouraged and that you find hope in today's message. As you're seated, uh, will you open your Bible with me to uh, Jeremiah chapter 17? Um, it is a beautiful day. Y'all know what today is, right? Thanks, guys. Y'all know what today is, right? Oh, yeah, it would, it would have been the first Sunday after the resurrection, right? Am I on the, is it the wrong day? I'm confused for me. Okay, yeah, yeah. This would have been like the first Sunday where they were walking in resurrection power. So this would be a pretty big, pretty big deal. Personally, I, I'd love to celebrate this day just as big as Easter. Um, let's look at Jeremiah 17, verse 7 through 8. Um, and by the way, as, as, uh, if you're online right now and you're zooming in on my eyes, um, I, th- I don't know what I have. I ha- think I might have pink eye, the gooky gook, whatever you want to call it. But um, I have not been smoking up or anything like that. That is not what's going on. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. I actually had three people ask me. They're like, Pastor Daniel, what did you do last night? I'm like, guys, it's for my glaucoma. I'm sorry. It was a joke. It was a joke. All right. Blessed is the man whose trust, who trusts in the Lord whose trust is the Lord, he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. And it does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. When I read verses like this, I'm just going to be honest. My first response is to say something like this in my heart, like, yeah, I want the fruit. I want the green leaves and I don't want to be affected by the drought. Anybody else feel the same way? You know, yes, give me everything you want, Lord. Pour out your blessings on me. Yeah, but there's some stuff that I'm supposed to do too, right? You know, this is my favorite time of the year. And the reason it's my favorite time of the year is because it is the, it's it's the beginning of the new growing season. Does anybody else like to garden? Let me see. I just need to know any fellow gardeners. Come on, wave at me. All right. Okay. I love gardening. Absolutely love gardening. I love getting my hands in the dirt. And this, yeah, this is a picture of a couple of our, our beds. On the right is lettuce and on the left is kale. And I'll be honest, I know like we're in the South and I, re- I get that I'm going to lose my Eastern North Carolina card today because I'm going to say a couple of things. The first one is this. I like kale better than collards. And I actually prefer them not boiled for 14 hours in ham hock. Oh, yeah, that's right. I lost my card right there, okay? So we're like, who are you? Um, but, yeah, there's nothing like, I know everybody here, you know, we like our tomatoes and our squash. Can I just give you a little gardening tip real quick? Don't grow as much squash as you did last year. You always have too much, okay? You only need like one or two plants, but uh, I love going out to the garden and cutting like just a fresh romaine head and br- uh, it ain't, ain't nothing like it. Come on, can I get an amen? Now, yeah, as much as I sound like a forks over knives, like crunchy granola guy, you know, like this might sound like the beginning of a documentary. It's not. But I will say this. There really is something spiritual about being in a garden. And just bear with me. My kids are like, dude, dad, you're so oversaved. Please stop. Can it just be a seed? Does it really have to be like, hey, boys, come here as I plant this seed in the ground. You know, the word of God says, <laughs> like, Dad, just get in the garden and let us play Minecraft, okay? But uh, there is really something, because the Bible was written in an agrarian society. So really, if you, somebody, if people always ask me, like, what can I do to study my Bible better? Plant a garden. And you will, you will literally see a lot of the living metaphors that Scripture uses to explain the deep things of the Lord. So in reality, yes, there is something spiritual to having a garden. But anyway, it's not my point. So I, um, over the winter, 
I had planted some things in my greenhouse that I um, kind of forgot about. And then one day I go out there and in this pot, I had this like gigantic fennel plant. How many of you know what fennel is? Fennel is the thing, and some of y'all are about to say amen. Fennel is the thing that makes Italian sausage taste different than Southern sausage. Now some of y'all are like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I love gardening too. I like pork. You mix with a little bit of fennel. But yeah, so I have this fennel plant and I wanted to move it out of a pot and I wanted to move it into like a part of my garden where it would be like, a, it's, they get big. And it's a bronze fennel plant, so it's really cool colored, it's beautiful. And I pull it out, real careful with the roots, I put it down and then I stare at it. And I'm sitting here, this is, this is just my mindset. I know some of you, God made you with a lot more patience. He did not make me that way. It's something I really have to work at. Amen, can I get an amen from somebody real fast? Yeah, you kind of said that aggressively. I can tell you're the type, all right? <laughs> amen, now. But anyway, so like, I put it in and I'm like staring at it. And in my mind, if I could, if I could say what I was thinking, what I, it would be this, take. <laughs> yeah, anybody know what I'm talking about? You're from the South and you know, you're like, you, did it take yet? What does that even mean? So like I go back the next day and I water it and it's still just sad. I go back the next day, I water it some more and it's still sad. And then for about a week, it's a sad looking plant. And then one day I walk out of there and it's got these tiny little fronds growing in the midst of all these sad, big leaves. As much as I was looking for growth above the ground, I had forgotten what was happening beneath the surface. As much as I wanted the top to look nice, I wanted, well, not green leaves, bronze leaves, and I wanted some fruit to show. I, I really, honestly, I knew, I know, I know a lot of things. I just don't know much. If you're not over 30, you, you're not going to understand that yet. You'll understand it one day, okay? Know a lot of stuff, just don't know much. But as I, I'm like, I know there are roots there, but I'm still like looking at the leaves. And what I really should have been doing is processing and thinking about how long will it take these roots to really make a deep, deep connection where they're not just relying on me watering it, but they're relying on moisture from a deeper, deeper source. And I would love to say that this plant doesn't represent my life, but it does. And it represents a lot of our lives if we're honest, I'll take a year of root growth over a year of fruit growth any day. Because the problem with focusing on fruits is this, is that we can always cheat the system. We can always go to the grocery store and buy bell peppers and take the sticker off and sprinkle a little bit of water and get it in our little photo and post it on social media and say, look at this year's harvest. And everybody that's looking at your phone is like, oh my gosh, they're a gardener. Hey, take us a picture of your garden. Like aisle seven on Walmart, okay? No, when roots grow, fruit is the natural byproduct. But many times we want to skip the slow, boring, step-by-step inch-by-inch process of deep roots growing. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and it does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green. And it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. We want the green leaves, the fruit, the state of not being affected by the drought, but do we really want it? Because there's a difference between wanting something and wanting what it takes to have the something that you say that you want. So let's start at the beginning. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Now, I love what God inspired Jeremiah to do here. He is a prophet. 
By the way, we're going to pick up our uh, This is the Bible series towards the end of June, and we're going to ride it for a pretty long while. And there's some things that about the Old Testament that you're going to learn during that series that are going to really help you understand a lot more. But this is a time period where Israel had already uh, separated. You had the northern kingdoms and the southern kingdom. You had Israel and you had Judah. They basically had a little civil war. And Judah, Israel had already been overtaken. Judah was about to be. And this is the message that the Lord gave Jeremiah to tell the people. Blessed is the man or woman who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. I want you to see that because it's real quick to glance over it. That he, it's like he introduces an elementary principle and then puts a comma and says, it's kind of like saying, hey man, I love you. I really love you. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Okay, let's take it a step further. Actually, whose trust is the Lord? Oh, sorry, that really blew my socks off. Okay, maybe I just need to explain why I blew my socks off then. Because there's a distinction, there's a difference between putting your trust in the Lord and your trust actually being the Lord. It's the difference between understanding what God can do versus who God is is. How many of you, you got a little sign in your house that says, trust in the Lord, right? Or somebody's going through something tough and we're like, "Uh uh-huh, okay, yeah, mm, yeah. Just trust in the Lord, sister. Just trust in the Lord. But the question that I want to propose to you this morning is this. You want fruit and green leaves and to not be affected by the drought season? It's not enough to trust in the Lord. You take it a step further and you say, I'm not satisfied till my trust is the Lord. I don't just trust in what he can do or what he can provide, but I trust in the very nature of who scripture says he is and that if I have him, I actually have every single thing that I need. It's not just believing that God will provide for you because that's what he can do. It's understanding that when you have him, you actually have every single thing that you need. It's not so much that God is truthful. He is. It's that he is the truth. In other words, he is the standard from which everything else that is truthful in this world is compared. I know I'm getting real nerdy on you guys, but it it makes me, I feel like I'm swimming in waters that every time I go down one foot, I realize that it's a hundred feet deeper. That when I say to this congregation, I trust this man and this woman. I trust Rich and Beth. Why do I trust them? Because they're emulating one of the characteristics of the Lord. We were in the mountains this past week on a little vacation. A lot of bridges. And um, I don't know, I never stopped to think, is this bridge trustworthy? When people always tell me like, Pastor Daniel, I just don't have faith in anything. Like, you really don't have faith in anything? Oh, okay. How'd you get here this morning? I drove, I drove, okay, cool. How often do you think about that car that was coming like six inches away from your car going 60 miles per hour? I didn't think twice about it. Okay, well, you have faith. You have faith that the rules are going to work. We don't have a faith problem. We just have a faith in the wrong thing problem. But every single bridge... That I wrote across, if I said in my mind that this bridge is trustworthy, it, 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 that, that definition of trust is based in who God is. 
It's the difference between understanding that God can provide and understanding that when you're in him, you have his provision because that's what he is. It's not just believing that God can deliver me, but believing that in him, I am in freedom because he is freedom. How many of you are following what I'm saying? It's it's okay. Teach your kids that God is good, but also teach them that he is goodness. He is the real, only, unselfish, non-distorted perspective of good in this world. And if something is good, it means that it's just emulating a characteristic of God. This water's good. There goes the oversave thing too. Man, this steak and this baked... I'll shut up. I'll move on to something else. Actually, I'll finish. This steak and this baked potato is so good. Why is it good? Because it tastes good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, I was really hungry and it filled me up. Man, it feels good. Whew, it's been a hard day at work. It sure does feel good to just sit down. Cast your burdens on the Lord. I want you to see the difference between knowing God can do something and knowing that he is something. So next time somebody says, trust in the Lord, brother, you'll say, my trust is the Lord. And everything I trust in this life, it's built on the definition of trust, which is God himself. He is like a tree planted by the water. A tree that has been planted right by the source of life. Everything the tree needs is in the water. And I want you to see this because I think God inspires things to be written in the Bible in a very certain way. It says that the tree was, huh, planted, right? It was planted. Now, I don't know if you know this, but a tree can't plant itself. So you were planted. But it plants it, but then it does give responsibility to the tree for which direction its roots grow. Salvation is a free gift of God that is done by the Holy Spirit in the life of the unbeliever. And it's instantaneous. And the only part we play, even if you call it a part, is just saying, yeah. But sanctification is something completely different. How many know what sanctification is? Say, amen. You can even say it in that voice if you want to. Sanctification is the process from which the Lord makes us more like Jesus. It's the process of our flesh being killed every day and our spirit growing every single day. And by the way, sanctification requires your participation. It doesn't just happen on its own. Because if you do, even after you're saved, if you do what your flesh tells you to do, I would eat ice cream for breakfast. Right? Y'all wouldn't? I'm not talking about like cheap, like gallon ice cream. I'm talking about like the good stuff, like some shameless plug. I like Simply Natural. Anybody like that? Bluebell? Any bluebells? Anybody know anything about graders? Cincinnati, Kentucky area? If you, if you never had graters, you don't even know what ice cream is yet. Raspberry with the chocolate chunks in it that never get hard. They stay, okay. I'm talking about food too much. Y'all know where my mind is right now. He is like a tree planted by the water. It sends its roots out by the stream and it does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green. The heat's gonna come, by the way. Can I just say that? Some of you are young and uh, you, because you're young, nobody faults you for it. Now, there are young people in here who have been through more than some of us older adults have. But I will say, by and far, a lot of times as you're young, it's hard to put your trust in the Lord 
Because you believe the lie that you can trust in yourself. Because everything still works. Can I get an amen? You still look fresh and so clean. You're still strong. Your mind's still sharp. And so it can be very difficult to put your trust in the Lord. But you need to know this is that the heat is going to come. If you've lived life long enough, life's going to bring heat. These are the moments in our lives that just flat out stink. It's a relationship that ends that we thought would never end. And we thought it was going to kill us when it ended, but I know there's a couple people in here right now who would just run up and down the aisles and say, that was the best breakup I ever knew I didn't need. I never knew I needed. Yes. Yeah. It was when you lost your job and you thought the world was going to end over it, and what you thought was the end was really only the Lord stripping away your little reliance on, on a company and causing you to put your trust in Him. And it really wasn't the end, it was just the beginning. This is what I mean when I say God is goodness. Because our definition of good is what? Those things that bring us the most comfort. Right? We say things like ice cream is good. But y'all, I'm just going to be real with you. Ice cream ain't good. Broccoli is good. <laughs> See, I can tell. I can tell where some of your spiritual maturity is right now because you're shaking your head at me right now. Like, broccoli flavored ice cream. That's just nasty. Never mind. <laughs> okay. God is good. He is goodness. Say with me here. Sorry, I get so excited about the Bible, I can't stand it sometimes. It does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. I want you all to say that. It does not what? It does not what? Does not fear. Okay. And it is not anxious in the year of the drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So the year of the drought is different than heat. It's different than a, just a momentary affliction, just a short one-week thing. The year of the drought are those moments in life when life is just bad for a really long period of time. And if you've never been through a, a drought season, let me just give you a heads up. It's not if they come, it's it's when they come. The, the Bible, like I told you, it's written in an agrarian society and there are four seasons. Not everything is always beautiful all of the time. You can say, speak it all you want to in existence, but you're gonna go through winter seasons where things look dead and they look messed up. You're gonna go through drought seasons where you don't feel the Lord where you're going to come in here and worship and you're going to see everybody else like evidently, man, they ain't just singing the words. They feel something, but I don't feel nothing. I'm doing everything that I've always done, but something is different. But you know that it's during the drought seasons where our roots learn to grow deeper and to stop relying on the surface level waters of experience and begin to get into the source itself. It's not anxious in the year of the drought. I, I want to just tell somebody really fast to just hold on. Sit tight. Don't go anywhere. It won't always be like this. Anybody that's just come out of a drought season, can you just say amen real fast? Just encourage the person behind you or in front of you or next to you to just stay in there. Put your hand to the plow and don't look back. You will come out of this season and you will be stronger despite of it, in spite of it. To really fully grasp this, though, just understand what it means to have deep roots in the Lord. I think we've got to look at the contrast that Jeremiah presents in the preceding two verses. Look at me at verse five and six. He says this, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man 
and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He will dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. So when we don't have deep roots, we become salty. That's what this passage means. We just ask your neighbor, you salty? <laughs> Some of you are you're just like, you're not following me right now. You're like, what does that even mean? Are you salty? No cap. <laughs> I'm squeezing that into every message. From now until the end of the year, so you just can, you young people who are bored, just, just, just be listening just so that you can hear when I mention capital letters in my uber white voice. <laughs> Notice that when we start putting our trust in man, look at what it does. It causes our hearts to turn away from the Lord. It causes spiritual dryness. It causes no fruit. We dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. So it's a place where good fruit can't grow and it's also uninhabited, which means what? It's isolated. So if you're looking for like, you know, when I read scripture, I'm constantly looking for some kind of litmus test. Like, how can I know if I'm battling with this? Because sometimes we don't see the mess that we're in. You know what I mean? And so this is how you can know. If you are in a fruitless, if you're fruitless, if you're, if you're wanting to begin isolating yourself, and if you're a little salty from time to time, it might just be that you're placing your trust in man and not your trust in the Lord. This seems like such a common sense message. You know what I mean? It's just, you really could sum it up. Trust in the Lord, good. Trust in man, bad. Okay? Be good, not bad. Deep roots will cause you to be able to sustain the drought seasons of life, and the heat moments of life. And the way we get those deep roots is by putting our trust in the Lord. But if it was easy to put our trust in the Lord, wouldn't we all be doing it? Can I say, get an amen? amen. I don't think we wake up in the morning and we're just like, huh, today's a Sunday. Yeah, I think I'm gonna start trusting in man today. Anybody ever done that before? No. Now, hopefully you get up in the morning and before your feet hit the ground, you make a declaration of trust in the Lord. By the way, if you're looking for real practical stuff today, this is more of a philosophical bird's eye view. But I will give you something practical. You wanna put your trust in the Lord, talk to him before you talk to Facebook in the morning. Spend five minutes with him before you spend five minutes of looking at other people's lives. I ain't dogging you. I'm just being real. Like, I know how my day goes because sometimes I wake up and I'm like, well, I hit the snooze first. Yeah. I don't know why I just don't set it for my alarm for 517 because I'm, I'm, I'm going to hit it. But to make a declaration before you even get out of the bed, Lord, I'm putting my trust in you today. Today is going to be different. I'm putting my trust in you. So how, how do I, how do I do it? Like, how can I put my trust in the Lord in a world where it seems like everything has been designed to make us not put our trust in the Lord? Well, let's look at it real quick. I don't have three things that you can go do. I think deep roots comes from the slow process of moving our roots away from those things that man can give us and tapping into the life-giving waters that only the Lord can provide. So when you're thinking about trusting in man, I want you to see it this way. Break it down into two categories. Trusting in others 
And that isn't what I struggle with. I, I struggle with trusting this man. Anybody else? I ain't, as we say in the South, I ain't too good at trusting other people. I'm learning. But when I struggle with putting my trust in man, it's the guy in the mirror. I think I'm stronger than I am. Can I get an amen? Don't amen me on that. I, I think I'm stronger than I am. I think I'm more able than I am. Yeah, I think I'm smarter than I am. And mostly I think I'm, in, I'm more in control than I am. I learned, I've, I've been, the Lord, this, is, this whole year, the Lord has been just showing me, dude, quit trust, putting so much trust in yourself. You are really not in control. And I thought I had done a good job and I thought I was gonna get a reward from the Lord for it. So we go on vacation this past week in the mountains. And it was really the best vacation I've been on. The first day it rained and we stayed in the cabin with a metal roof. Yeah. I read an entire book, a fiction book. And if you know me, you know that the Holy Spirit is about to fall in this place because I read a fiction book. Because I don't read fiction. And I started a whole other one. It was great. Played poker with the kids. Oh, um, we, we, we read Bible verses together. Had a, had a sword drill. <laughs> Played poker with the kids. I mean, had just a great time. Taught my daughter how to play chess. Some of you are like, dude, you're on vacation. Why are you doing these things? It was great. Had a, had a good time. But we went horseback riding um, through the Nantahala. And in my mind, the way I read the descriptions, we were going to be riding horses through these lush green valleys with big rivers beside us. And instead, we were riding horses on these tiny trails up and down mountains that were really high. Anybody ever done this before? You know what I'm talking about? That's what was going on. And so I'm getting on the horse and then I'm like, hey, I also read in the description where kids on seven and under would have a guide walking the horse. And I noticed that there is a lot of us and there's only one of you. And they're like, oh yeah, they'll be fine. So we get on these little trails and these trails are about this wide. And I had, already, I had a plan. Go figure, I had a plan. My plan was this. There would be the first two kids, the youngest ones. The God would be in the front. Y'all noticed I had a plan for the God. <laughs> the God would be in the front. There would be my seven-year-old, then my eight-year-old, and then me, so that I could, I could fix something if I needed to. And then the, the older ones would be behind me, and then Caitlin would be bringing up the rear. Sorry, babe, that was my plan. And we would actually have them, in the middle would be the older ones, because the probability of them needing help would be less. And I had already gone through some scenarios. Does anybody else do that too? Huh? Like, for example, what do you do if Sasquatch comes out of the woods? Right? Huh? You pull out your knife. And you stab everybody else in the leg and you run. You just run. I'm on uh, internet. I didn't mean that. You would lay your life down for your family. <laughs> no, but really, I had like gone through all these scenarios, like what happens if the horse falls off the side of the mountain? And I had already visualized myself grabbing the horse by the reins and, and yelling at my child to like, just stop. Don't get near the horse. I, yeah, confession is good for the soul. It's not good for your reputation. Um, yeah, I go through all these scenarios. But do you know where they put me? At the back. Six horses away from my seven-year-old who likes to yell randomly sometimes. Riding down the road, everybody's having a good time. Ah! Why did you do, stop? Why, did, why do I have to stop? What, what is wrong about yelling? I, I don't know. I just don't like it. Or you're riding down the road and just out of nowhere. What? Who 
just hear who? Hear nobody. I just, I just slapped my hands together. Why did you do that? Scares me. So I'm completely out of control. I'm in the back of the line. And, and it was like the Lord was just like, And I'm up there like I'm really struggling with this thing. But finally, I had a peace that came over me. And um, it's because I closed my eyes and I didn't watch anybody do anything. But moving away from these points of our lives where we're putting so much trust in ourselves and trust in others and beginning to put our trust in the Lord. That's where the deep roots come from. It's understanding that many of us are trying to get things from people that we can only get from God. We're trying to get God stuff from humans. Pastor Barry is awesome. He is a great teacher, but he is not God to me. And he cannot give me things. It was never set up that way. And our roots, our deep roots begin to dissipate when I start trusting in preachers and pastors and friends and husbands and children more than I trust in the Lord. And we think that like that's, no, Daniel, that's not good because we're supposed to love people. If I stop trusting people, my relationships, they'll go downhill, they'll go south. Actually, it's the opposite. Because when you begin trusting in the Lord, you can actually enjoy your relationships with other people because you're not demanding that your nine-year-old give you something that your dad didn't give you. You're not demanding that your spouse give you something that, that your mom didn't give you. You can actually enjoy human encounters. Because you know that they were born into sin and shaping into iniquity just like you were. And you begin to expect less and enjoy more because you're getting the things from the Lord that you need because you put your trust in him. You're like, no, I don't trust none of y'all. I love you. And I'm gonna trust you for the things that humans can give me. But I'm not gonna trust you to be my source. You're not my source. It's understanding that when many of us, it's awesome. You guys, I hope you understand we are an unbelievably blessed church. Can I get an amen? And I'm right now in Haiti, they are having church and it's probably 90 degrees and 4,000% humidity. And the walls are not sheetrock and brick they are palm leaves that have been woven together. It's a beautiful sound. It's understanding, <laughs> amen, that when many of us should be praying, we've talked to 14 people about our issues before we've even opened our mouth to the Lord. Can I get an amen on that one, right? Or it's being up at two o'clock in the morning and your left hand has gone numb. So what do you do? The most obvious thing, you get out your phone and you Google, reasons my left arm might be going numb. <laughs> I trust in you, Lord, but I'm gonna trust that you can inspire Google. <laughs> he can do anything, but yes, that's one thing he cannot do. <laughs> Just kidding. By the way, when you ask people for advice, can I give you a good way to, to ask people for advice and still trust in the Lord? It goes like this. He call them up. Hey, how are you doing today? Good, good. What's going on? What can I do for you? Have you prayed today? Um, what do you mean? Why are you asking? I'm just curious. No, nah, man, I ain't prayed today. I, I, just, I woke up, I was, got 30 minutes late and I had a bunch of stuff to do. Okay, cool. Note to self. Why'd you call? Oh, no reason. I was just calling to check on you. Why, why would we ask someone for advice that hasn't been before the Lord that day? I just want to show you something. I want to show you how even as believers, we begin to put our trust in people before we put our trust in the Lord. 
If the Lord wakes you up in the middle of the night, chances are he woke you up to be alone with him. Right? Every bad thing that you feel, every negative emotion that you feel, hear me out, church, because I'm, put, I'm putting on my kids' gloves real fast because I'm, I'm gonna walk into a little territory where most time when I go there, I get a few nasty emails. Not nasty. Emails from people that are hurting that didn't hear the heart behind the message that I was saying. Y'all going with me there real quick? It's okay to feel things. It's okay to feel sadness, to feel anger. And a lot of times we want to get beyond the sadness and the anxiety and the struggle with fear and the struggle with depression so fast that we're willing to take matters into our own hands. Now, this is not a don't take prescription medicine message. It's not what I'm saying. Because, you know, sometimes people rally on that camp. They're like, if you trust the Lord, you wouldn't take medicine. And then I'm like, okay, well, did you eat today? Yeah, I ate today. Well, if you trusted in the Lord, you wouldn't have to eat. If God's who he says he is. He can sustain you through anything. These seasons of life that are fearful and that we struggle many times, they're meant for us to turn to the Lord and put our trust in him. But sometimes we take matters into our own hands. And we put our trust in something that man made or someone or even like me sometimes myself to sustain the drought seasons, to always produce fruit, to have green leaves year round. It requires deep roots and deep roots are only formed with the moment by moment decisions to put our trust in the Lord. I love altar calls. But if I gave you an altar call this morning to come put your trust in the Lord, I really genuinely believe that you would leave here and not get what I am preaching. Because roots don't grow in one momentary explosion. They grow inch by inch, moment by moment. It's understanding that the word of the Lord is not a map or a spotlight for the rest of our lives. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. This morning as I was praying with the people in the first service, I prayed, Lord, I was praying in the microphone, I'm like, Lord, show us every area of our lives where we don't trust you. And really quickly, I was like, actually, God, don't do that. <laughs> I was talking to my, my brother here a while ago, and he's one of those guys, when he asks you how you're doing, you don't say good. They're, they're really meaning, how are you doing? And I'm like, it's been a tough year, bro. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, this is what I would call an intense year of sanctification. He's like, the Lord's showing me some things that are in my heart that I didn't know were there, and I feel compelled to deal with them. Anybody else you've run through a season like that recently? And um, I said, you know what? I guess he just can't show us everything that needs to change at one time. I think we would die. <laughs> So he shows us things moment by moment. It's long faithfulness in one direction. Don't uproot. Don't uproot and go try to plant. And I'm not talking about churches. I'm talking about what the Lord is doing in your life. Stick with the process. Trust the process of sanctification. It's the moment by moment. Don't ask the Lord, show me everything because you ain't gonna be able to handle it. Literally say this, and I, we say it in, in RA. Lord, what is the next thing you want me to do in my road to recovery? Lord, what is the next thing you want to do in my life? What's the next step I need to take towards planting my roots to deep water, towards trusting in you, 
and removing my trust in man. For many of us, it's gonna be this. It's gonna be realizing that your spouse is not to be your source of joy in life, your source of affirmation in life. They're not meant to be your peace. For some of us, it's gonna be understanding that our kids are blessings from the Lord, not this ultimate fulfillment in life that fixes everything. And if you hadn't had kids and you're believing that children are gonna make everything in life so much better, I've got some kids in here, so I can't finish that statement. (laughs) No, honestly, yes, they are a great joy. They're amazing, but I'll tell you this. Kids are just going to cause those imperfections to shine even brighter. Mainly because you have to wipe their butts. Literally, to begin with, and then metaphorically later, while they're kicking and screaming and telling you that, I don't need you to do this for me anymore. Dude, you can't even eat without getting ketchup all over your face, okay? For some of us, hey, look, you guys that are in the dating world right now, hear me out. It's understanding that a boyfriend or a girlfriend doesn't complete you. I know that sounds good in a movie, but it is the dumbest thing that has ever been said. Girl, you are my saving grace. Really? Those words just, you complete me. I was broken until I found you. And then we were just broken together. Kids and adults, it's understanding that your parents are your parents. And if they were going to be perfect, Jesus could have just stayed in heaven. They were never meant to provide you with every single thing that you need in this life. They were actually designed to show you that the Lord is the only one that can provide you with everything that you need in this life. And guess what? The Lord uses their weaknesses to show you that. He uses their imperfections to show you that. We stop trying to get God things from people. It's a slow, painful process of pulling up every root that has grown to the well-watered plains of Jordan and casting our roots to the source, to the stream. Would you stand with me? It is a slow process. Sometimes it will not look like much is happening. Sometimes you're going to look at other people's lives and you're going to think to yourself, they are so fruitful right now. And we are not. But once again, they might have bought their fruit from Walmart. Or, you know what? They might have just spent 10 years going through a season that was so unbelievably tough, the only way they could survive was for roots to grow deeper every single day. As I was praying for our church, more than anything that I want to see happen in this church, I want to see people that grow deep, deep roots. And the church is a supplement and a part of their lives, but not their lives. To see families that are deep, deep rooted families. And as I was praying, I I'm going to read you what I felt like the Lord was speaking to me. And I see a day when many of you will not walk in fear of man anymore. When you will wake up and not be consumed by anxiety because you were worried about what people will do or think. 
I see the Lord pulling up those roots that have grown towards man and growing new roots towards the plentiful stream. I see a day soon where you will not worry about people's motives and what they're up to. I see some big oaks growing in this church. Some that will stand for lifetimes and be beacons of faithfulness and spiritual fervor. I see generational faith in our church. I see generational curses being broken in the families of this church because our roots are growing toward the stream. We'll enjoy, we'll enjoy, we will enjoy the seasonal rains of experience, but we won't need them to survive. We'll enjoy the Spirit of the Lord showing up in a special way in a moment, but we will be tapped in to something much, much deeper, into the stream, to the source. Will you guys lift your hands and pray with me? Lord, right now we ask you, Lord, to examine our hearts. Please don't show us everything. Just show us one part of our lives where we are putting our trust in ourselves, where we are putting our trust in people, when we're putting our trust in man-made products and man-made companies, where we're putting our trust in mutual funds, when we're putting our trust in a 401k, when we're putting our trust in a spouse, in our children, where we're even putting our trust in our own physical health, Lord. I pray that you would just, oh, dismantle the illusion of control, dismantle the illusion of believing that we can trust in those things that are not permanent, that are not eternal. And Lord, grow our roots towards the stream. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed today's message, we want to encourage you to join our Facebook online community. Search for Bethel Church online for more great content from our pastors and leaders here at Bethel. Join us next week for another inspiring message.